Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by ProLineStadium.com, Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. It is a great time of year to be a sports fan, and it just got even better with this new ProLine offer where you can earn up to $50 per week in parlay tokens. Now, until June 25th, every wager of $15 or more on a three-pick parlay on ProLine or Stadium Bets will earn you a $10 token that can be earned on any sport. Tokens must be used on a parlay of three or more picks and will expire July 31st. Bet on ProLine all season long at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app. Must be 19 years of age or older. Please play responsibly. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I hope everyone's having a great week. Um... Just got back from Bridgewater, actually. My dad and my brother just graduated from Bridgewater NSCC. Dad dad was in the military for, I don't even know how many years, 30, 35 years, and he was retired for a month and got bored, so he went to NSCC, took a trade, I think refrigeration, and my brother actually graduated in uh, electrical at NSCC, same day. So we went up yesterday. Um, had a great day and it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how old you are. I don't even know how old my dad is. He might be later fifties, but it doesn't matter how old you are. If you want to do something in this life, all you got to do is put your mind to it, work hard and you, you can do it. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, so congrats fellas. I love you. Well done. And, uh, I hope, uh, you know, everything goes well in your new careers. Uh, today on the high button podcast, we have Dean Smith. Dean is the 2020 three Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award winner. That's a big deal. Okay. Dean Smith is a lawyer by trade uh, on his day-to-day work. Um, He helped organize a black youth ice hockey program, which introduces 30 young black Nova Scotians uh, to hockey each season, which is pretty incredible. Uh, With this award, with the Willie O'Ree Award, uh, Dean received $25,000 USD to donate to any charity of his choice. I'm really excited to talk to him about his work behind the scenes. I imagine being a lawyer, you're extremely busy and to take time out of the day to, to I guess, have a passion um, about getting a, a whole generation of, of young African-American kids to sign up for the game of hockey. I don't want to say it, it sounds challenging, but it sounds challenging. And at the same time, if you have a challenge in front of you, it must be extremely rewarding. And to balance a career and to balance a passion, um, tremendous respect for that. Um, from what I've heard from Dean's friends, stand-up guy, to win an award like this, you have to be a stand-up guy. So it's going to be a great episode. I'm really excited uh, to chat with Dean, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm Justin Belanger. We're talking to Dean Smith. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Mr. Dean Smith, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the studio slash basement. I very much appreciate it. You must be one of the busier guys, like I was saying when you walked in right now in the hockey world in Nova Scotia for sure, but uh, the demand is high for you, so I appreciate you taking the time to come here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I didn't realize how busy uh, this award would make me, but it's been quite busy the last few days. Oh yeah, like who's, been, who's been reaching out? Just well, A bunch of media interviews for sure, and uh, and then friends and family, and then people I haven't heard from a very long time uh, reaching out to say congratulations, so it's been uh, it's overwhelming and humbling at the same time. So, so data day operations well what, what does your life look like uh well my full-time employment i practice law with the federal government okay. i practice civil litigation with justice canada so that's my regular full-time uh employment uh, my extracurricular activities as you may suspect involves hockey so i coach at chibacto minor hockey association here in spryfield area uh, and i run the black youth ice hockey program along with many other volunteers uh, out of dartmouth uh, in addition to that, I sit on the board of directors of Hockey Nova Scotia as their diversity and inclusion chair, which stemmed from uh, the results and findings of the task force that was struck a couple of years ago. Wow. Where did this passion come from to, I guess, just be involved in the community in general? Not even just hockey, but just just be involved. Yeah, I've always had this volunteer spirit. Uh, I think I acquired it uh, growing up in Whitney Pier. There's a lot of individuals in my community that volunteered a lot of hours while I was growing up. 
And uh, I think it just caught on. I, I remember Marie Green, Charles Shepard down in uh, Whitney Pier put in hours and hours of volunteer work with us young kids. And it rubbed off. And I think as a result, I commit myself uh, every year to uh, volunteer time with various organizations and various things close to my heart. Did, did you grow up playing? I grew up playing hockey, yeah, yes. Yeah. I grew up in Whitney Pier. We Where's begin- Whitney Pier? I'm sorry, my geography is not the best. It's quite okay. It's in uh, Sydney. Okay. It's a community. It's It was voted the most multicultural community east of Montreal for many years. Um, it's a very diverse community. Uh, it had nine denominational churches in a five-block radius. And uh, at the turn of the century, there were many immigrants that came to work in the steel plant and the coal mines. And um, within a five blocks radius, you would have a Ukrainian church, you would have a Polish church, you would have an Italian Catholic church, my church, the St. African Orthodox Church, St. Philip's African Orthodox Church, Catholic Church is a Jewish synagogue, so it was a very diverse community. Oh, no way. Do you think that helped your upbringing of just being able to volunteer with different organizations and different groups, just being involved in different cultures growing up? I think it had a significant impact on how I walk through this world. To be honest, I, I, I am very patient. I, I like to learn. Um, growing up, I could be eating pierogies in a Polish community hall one weekend and uh, Caribbean chicken in my own community hall the next weekend. So uh, walking through those spaces uh, became uh, somewhat normal for me. And uh, as a result, I have a respect for many cultures. And seeing many cultures coming into, I guess, the working world of working in law, do you think that helped you as well? Yeah, I think it's uh, the manner in which you approach people and the manner in which you speak to people, I think is important because uh, uh, what we don't realize sometimes is there's a history to everyone. And uh, unless you know that history, the prejudging is not uh, the place to be. So uh, I like to take my time to learn and understand and uh, and treat people with respect. That's great. Um, so I guess moving forward into the, when did you find out that you were the recipient, recipient of the Willie O'Ree Award? Well, I found out that I was nominated, and, and big thanks to Gareth McDonald uh, Communications with Hockey Nova Scotia, also the play-by-play announcer for the Mooseheads. He nominated me, and uh, unbeknownst to me, he nominated me. And suddenly I got this telephone call several months ago from the NHL indicating that uh, I was one of the finalists uh, for the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, and it truly blew my mind. It was a complete surprise to me. And then um, uh, I received a call a few days ago from the NHL indicating to me that they wanted to film the announcement of who was going to win the award, and uh, I mean, I was excited by that, and uh, included in the Canadian finalists was myself, Soraya Tinker, who plays with the Toronto Six professional women's hockey team, and Derek Klein from uh, an indigenous community in Saskatchewan who built an enormous facility to play hockey, uh, hockey rink out there. And um, uh, we got the call. We were all online, and Jeff Scott of the NHL asked us a few questions, why we were deserving of the award, and then he announced myself as the winner. And it, it was like a dream. It's like I never heard my name, so I didn't react right away, but uh, it soon sunk in, and I was, uh, I was absolutely elated. That's incredible. Was there a part of you that was... I guess, grateful? Or was there a part of you that was almost like, in, not embarrassed, but just like, I don't want the attention. I just do this for the good of my heart. Like, how, how does that work in your, in your head? Yeah, the first thing I thought about was uh, all those volunteers uh, over the years, uh, particularly in the hockey sphere, that has helped me build diversity into this game. And, and I thought about them. Um, I also thought about uh, some uh, individuals that I had the fortune of connecting with over the last couple of years because of my platform at Hockey Nova Scotia. And, and notably, I thought about John Paris Jr., uh, who I have a great relationship with now. Um, I thought about Bill Riley, um, the third black uh, to play in the NHL, first uh, African Nova Scotian to play in the NHL. I thought about Art Dorrington. He's a black player uh, out of Truro, who signed the very first black professional contract in hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know his history. Um, and, uh, and of course, um, Willie O'Ree. So those are the names that kind of ran through my head when they announced me as the winner. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. Have you ever had a conversation with Willie? I have. In fact, I, um, I took my youngest son, Jade, uh, when he was younger, to a conference at St. Mary's University, and uh, Mr. O'Ree was present at that conference, along with the St. Mary's All Black Line. 
They were celebrating uh, the history of that um, accomplishment. And uh, Mr. O'Ree signed my son's um, T-shirt, uh, which his mom accidentally threw out oh, <laughs> several no. years later. <laughs> but he was fortunate enough to get an autographed Willie O'Ree card a couple of years later. And uh, he has it actually in his bedroom as we speak, displayed in his bookshelf. So I had an opportunity to meet uh, Mr. O'Ree briefly, but I hope I get an opportunity to meet him in Nashville during the NHL Awards this, this June, oh, uh, you're, you're, later this month. You're going. Yes. Uh, wow. Part of the uh, award uh, is that uh, they fly myself and family down to Nashville, Tennessee. I've never been uh, where the NHL awards are taking place as well as the NHL draft. So my family gets an opportunity to attend uh, the NHL awards. I don't know what they have in store for me there, uh, whether they'll bring me up on stage with the American winner, which will be announced on that day. The 26th. On the 26th of June. And then uh, a couple of days later, I head over to the NHL draft, and then I get to see uh, Connor Bedard draft it, which is going to be quite exciting, and it's going to blow my boys' minds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like going into those situations, you don't want to know too much. You just want to let it happen to you. You don't want an itinerary. Just like, yeah, what are we, what are we doing now, you know? Yeah, and just I think, go with the flow. And I think the NHL have some experience with that because they haven't told me much so far. <laughs> yeah, told they just much. gave me the invite and uh, <laughs> told me to book my tickets, and uh, so we're, we're good to go. That's great. Yeah. Going up there, what's your goal? Is your goal just to embrace the experience? Is your goal to, to spread the message you're trying to spread? Like, What's the overall goal going up to Nashville for you? Yeah, I think my overall goal is to go to Nashville and, first of all, to, to have some, some you know quality time with my family away. That would be nice. Um, and the other uh, goal I'd like to have is to just you know spread the work that we're doing here in Nova Scotia, particularly in the equity, diversity, and inclusion space in hockey. And I think it's important um, for Nova Scotians to know that in many cases, we're leading the charge in this space. Um, everybody knows in Canada and, and in North America, for that matter, that hockey has been going through some, some turmoil over the last couple of years. And, and a lot of people don't realize that Hockey Nova Scotia has been at this work for the last two and a half, three years, preceding uh, the controversy that has developed in the last year and a half. So um, Nova Scotia is leading the charge in the EDNI space, and we're building safe spaces, and we're trying new things. For instance, uh, the Black Youth Ice Hockey Program that we run here, we've been running it for the last 15 years, dedicated to um, African Nova Scotian kids ages 5 to 10, trying to get them into hockey. We support the Indigenous Girls Hockey Program run by Ryan Francis in the province. We also support the New Canadians Program, Breaking Ice. It's an opportunity to get uh, new Canadians into the game as well. And uh, this, okay, sorry, and this July, uh, we're supporting um, uh, a queer hockey tournament here in the Halifax, which is going to bring six teams from across North America to play. So we're trying to expand and we're trying to be uh, as diverse as possible and to, to meet communities where they are. And I think that's where the progress is made. When it comes to uh, the, the youth black hockey program, do you find yourself having to go out and find the kids or do you have kids that want to play that maybe just can't afford it? Like, how do you go about picking the, the, the children that want to be involved? Well, early on in the program's history, we had to go out and find children to play. Uh, but in the last three or four years, to be honest, uh, we've had a waiting list. We've had 40 African Nova Scotian kids uh, join the program. We've had waiting lists of maybe a dozen kids wanting to get into the program. So I think it's uh, the success is catching on. And um, we're slowly seeing increased numbers of those kids transitioning in the minor hockey. And, and I'll talk about the, the task force work a little later, but one of the things we found was access programs is one thing. But the next stage of, of making sure that kids transition in the minor hockey and are supported in minor hockey is another big challenge. And, and we've, we've made a few steps to try to address that in the last couple of years with some success, uh, but we're still working on it. That's great. That must be one of the most rewarding feelings in the world to have a kid not only, like you say, be entered into the program, but to move on from the program and play minor hockey. Absolutely. Must... Absolutely rewarding. And it's, a, it's the best feeling ever. Also, I always find sport just to be great with life. It doesn't matter if you're playing hockey, whatever sport, but just to move on from a certain sport and go on into life, learning lessons from it. That's, I love seeing that. Well, that's the absolute key to the game, right? That's a, it's a game after all, right? And, and if you're not having fun, if you're not smiling, playing the game, then really is it 
a game. And uh, what comes with that game is, is those life skills that you use for the rest of your life, the ability to work as a team. That teamwork is critical as you grow older, right? As an, into adulthood, the ability to communicate is critical as you grow into adulthood. And, and so many other attributes that you learn through this game that will uh, uh, carry you well in life. You can tell, I can tell you're a good communicator and also by you telling me where you're from and you're dealing with different cultures and you know how to listen, you know how to be patient. I can just... How long have we been talking? 15 minutes? I pick it up already. You know how to do it. Where'd well, you go to school? Uh, well, I graduated high school at a Sydney Academy in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it was interesting. Uh, myself and a bunch of friends at the time were also um, with the Canadian Armed Forces Reserves. And, and my goal in life was to join regular force. But there was a good friend of mine in Whitney Pierre, Darren Desmond, who was a sports fanatic at the time. He said to me at one point in time in grade 12, Dean, did you hear about this program in Halifax called the Transition Year Program at Dalhousie University? And I hadn't heard about it. And I wasn't at the time, to be honest, very interested because I was heading off to the Reg Force. I figured that was my career and my life. And uh, he said, let's go fill out an application, see if we can get in. And it was an entry program into university. So we filled out the application. We ran around that afternoon. It was the final day to submit the applications. And I had a good friend of mine, Jane Crowley, uh, who has passed since. Uh, she wrote me a reference. And uh, one of my teachers wrote me a reference. I submitted it. And three weeks later, I got a call from Dalhousie University telling me that I was accepted to university. Something absolutely new to me. Uh, it was foreign to me uh, to consider university. I've heard about it all my life, but I never really considered it as a path for me. And that's where it all began. So um, I started uh, Dalhousie in 1985. I graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science. I took off to Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. I studied some public administration and additional politics. And then I came back to Dal for law school. Uh, and I graduated in law school in 1999. Wow. Busy guy. <laughs> kind of busy. Yes. Moving around. <laughs> I've been to Queen's. Really nice school. Cool town. Beautiful town, yeah. cool atmosphere. Uh, Military town too, isn't it? There's like yeah. a base across the water. Canadian, um, the uh, 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 military college is there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, really cool town for yeah, sure. Beautiful. It is. It reminds me of Halifax a bit. School. It does remind. Yeah, it. Other than uh, Lake Ontario versus the ocean. Yeah, yeah other than uh, that, yeah. It, is, it feels just like Halifax, you're right. 100%. Yeah. Um, you can answer this. You don't have to, but you won $25,000 USD to donate to any charity you'd like to donate to. Do you have any any ideas to what to do with that money? Justin, I'll speak about it all day long. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like maybe I'll you speak got... <laughs> about it all day long. Um, obviously, I the the award itself, the, uh, the funding is sponsored by Hyundai Canada. So I'll have a conversation, obviously, with the, with the donor. And um, the rules stipulate that I get an opportunity to donate $25,000 U.S. to a charity of my choice. Obviously, it will have to be approved by Hyundai Canada. But I have three entities in mind that I've been considering. Obviously, near and dear to my heart is the Cape Breton Boys and Girls Club of Whitney Pier, uh, where I spend a lot of time as a youth. I uh, spend a lot of time uh, hanging out and playing pool and... Uh, learning how to grow. Uh, another entity is Adsom House, a uh, women and family shelter here in Halifax. I was going to donate some of those proceeds to. And then I have a couple of uh, scholarships for African Nova Scotian uh, students I was thinking of contributing the remainder to. So those are three ideas. Student athletes or just students? Just students generally. I know there's uh, the Apex Golf Tournament in Truro has a scholarship program for uh, young African Nova Scotian kids. And I know there's the Black Lives Matter Golf uh, program out of Dartmouth that I'd like to do donate some of the funding to as a scholarship or bursary piece. Do you find it challenging at all to, to pick and choose where you don't, not money, but just time? There's so many people to help. There's so many causes to, to work towards. Do you find it difficult or do you just follow your heart? You know what? I kind of just follow my passion. And uh, as I started the practice of law, uh, I, had an I was working initially with the Provincial Department of Justice for a number of years, and I had an opportunity to volunteer with um, Reachability, which is an organization that provides uh, services to persons with varying abilities. Um, I was able to offer pro bono legal services to them for free uh, for a number of years, so I did that, and that was a passion of mine. I also did uh, young offender mediation processes with the Criminal Justice Society back in the day uh, where I got an opportunity to bring 
those in conflict with the law, youth in conflict with the law, with victims uh, of their offenses, along with policing and try to uh, get to a meeting of the minds and a resolution uh, to see the effects of, of their behavior. And then later on, I get into the Delmore Buddy Day Learning Institute, which is an educational uh, institute um, which is um, designed to improve the educational outcomes for African Nova Scotian students. Uh, we brought that uh, institute from an idea on a page to a multi-million dollar institute down in the heart of Halifax on Cornwallis Street. And then I got into some of the hockey processes over the last 15 years, and, uh, and here I am today talking to you. That's great. <laughs> Do you, do you have a, I was wondering if you had like a success story about a family, maybe an individual, maybe an organization that just maybe was struggling a bit. You put time, effort, maybe finances, and now they're flourishing. Was there, is there any story that comes to mind in that, yeah, that ab- realm? Absolutely. And, and, and I'll relate it to hockey because um, we have a number of graduates of our Black Youth Ice Hockey program. As I mentioned, it's uh, designed for uh, African Nova Scotian kids age 5 to 10. And we had one particular youth join us a number of years ago. At the, he was nine years of age at the time, and very first time on skates. And his father, who would bring him every Saturday to the sessions, um, didn't know how to skate at the time. So while his son is going through the program, uh, dad decides to take skating lessons at another entity so that he could at least um, help his son and understand what his son's going through in this development, right? So uh, we reached the end of the season and we invite his son back for a second year of the Black Youth Ice Hockey Program. And lo and behold, who comes out to volunteer with his son, uh, with him, but his dad, right? (laughs) So his dad is now on the ice with us and uh, it became an absolutely family affair. And his son developed so quickly and so well and took to the game so well. And last year he was playing U15 major. So yeah, it's an incredible story. And it's just one of several that we have uh, coming out of the Black Youth Ice Hockey Program. And his dad, to this day, is still on the ice helping us. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's so he was great. taking the lessons while he was on the ice as well. Yeah. He, he told us, he said, you know what? Just so I can understand what my son is going through, because his son had a hard time really learning the game, learning to skate and learning to handle the puck. And he said, just so I can get a sense of really what my son is going through, I'm going to do this. So that's where he ended up. That's great. And talking about those rewarding feelings, that's that's one of them right there. It's amazing. Just seeing that. and, And just to add to that, this individual, this young person, as well as many others who graduated with the program, come back and are now junior coaches with the program. So we have this this junior coach mentorship program going on within the program itself. So every week, every Saturday between October and March, we have at least four or five graduates of varying years come back to help us out. So it's an amazing process. That's what it's all about. It is, truly. Just recycling the talent, coming back. We helped you, now you help the next generation. Giving back, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, you're on the board of directors with Hockey Nova Scotia. Those meetings, what's your demeanor? What's your goal to get across on being a board of uh, Nova Scotia? Well, to be honest, my demeanor nowadays is different than my demeanor when I began with the board of directors. And uh, to be open and honest with you, uh, when we first started um, work on the task force, which was struck by Hockey Nova Scotia after incidents of racism in Nova Scotia in the game, um, I was asked to chair the task force. And um, we brought together a diverse group of individuals from across the province, um, members of indigenous communities within the province, members of the African Nova Scotian communities, members of the LGBTQ plus community, and persons with disabilities formed the task force. So we went out and we asked the important questions, not to those who are currently excelling in the game. We wanted to know what are the answers and what are the solutions from those individuals who tried the game but left the game because they didn't feel comfortable, never tried the game in the first place, uh, and the like. So we examined and we reached out in a public consultation cross-province, and we heard nearly a 1,000 recommendations coming back our way of how to improve the game. Just like emails? We received, it was a formal um, survey that went out. It was an innovative digital survey that went out across the province, and we asked those communities to respond. And they responded with over a 1,000 recommendations. 840 people responded with over a 1,000 recommendations and ideas how to improve the game. (laughs) 
So one of those recommendations uh, was representation at all levels of the game, including the board of directors. So what we did um, in our mandate was we drafted a provision that allows us to make recommendations in real time. Uh, I mean, recommendations where the board would vote while the task force was still working, as opposed to a set of recommendations at the end of the task force work that they can accept or deny. Oh, like work on in the summer or something like that. I see what you're saying. Exactly. So we wanted answers from the board of directors as we were doing the work. So one of those recommendations in real time was the establishment of a permanent seat on the board of directors to address equity, diversity, and inclusion in the game. And at first I was frustrated. I didn't think that uh, recommendation would pass, but it passed unanimously to my surprise. And a seat was immediately created uh, on the board of directors, which I then uh, occupied. And from that point forward, um, I had confidence that the board of directors was heading in the right direction wanting to build equity, diversity, and inclusion into the game and fairness. Well, yeah, it must be one of the most rewarding jobs there is. Because I, I played a high level of hockey. I mm-hmm. know what it's like. I know the elitism we're talking about. And I'd never really got to witness the, you know, the other end of it. But you hear stories and, you know, there, don't, I'm not going to sit here and make lies. Like there was a part of me that turned my head and just kind of focused on what I was doing. But as we get older and you learn about other people and you start to care about other organizations and things like you're dealing with, it's great to know that there's there's people out there caring about the other side. Because yeah. I, I wasn't one of those growing up. And and just to add to that, Justin, and, and, and I appreciate uh, your candor on that because for one thing, I know that the majority of people in hockey are great people. There's no doubt about it, right? I also know that there's not one single individual of color playing this game today that I know, that I've had conversations with, and there are dozens and dozens and dozens that hasn't experienced multiple incidents of racism that shook them to their core, okay? So that's a fact. Right, Every single person of color I know have, has endured this mm. at all levels of the game, right, right up through junior hockey, right, mm. have endured this. So those are a couple of the facts that we're dealing with. But I'm also not naive to think that this is going to be rectified or corrected in a week, a month, or a year. The culture in the game developed over decades and decades and decades, and it's going to take time to dismantle, right? So we are trying to be strategic and methodical about how we go about it. Therefore, we build some programming, right, to introduce this game to uh, those individuals who have been traditionally underrepresented in the game. We also build that next step where they can be sustained in minor hockey and then uh, excel in the game as well as building diversity into boards of directors, Mm. uh, building diversity into ownership, building diversity into officiating, all levels, right? It takes all levels because there's nothing worse we could do to an individual in many cases than put one person of color in a single dressing room, right? It's not supported. So the more the greater numbers that we can build into the game, the more support is naturally there and, and the more success can be built from that. So those are some of the small steps we're taking, but we're not we're not naive to think it's going to change in a day. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to read some of those emails that got sent in, 1,000, what, 800, whatever you said. I just, I'm sure you guys have ideas, but to get 1,000 ideas at once, it's like, well, I didn't think of that. That would have been a cool thing to implement. I don't know. That's just... It's a lot of information coming at once. It would have well, been cool just to kind of see some of the things people were saying. Well, today's your lucky day because I brought you a copy of the Diversity and Inclusion Task Force final report. And within this report, you'll see many of the recommendations that came from the public oh, yeah. about how to improve the game. So, uh, Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to look at that. What, yeah. what, what, what do you have on top there as well? Well, this is uh, in true Afrocentric uh, tradition. Whenever uh, my community is invited uh, to an event or, or to... Um, a special occasion we in true afrocentric tradition we bring a gift so i brought you a gift today that uh, was gifted to me uh it's a card of willie o'ree uh in honor of the award wow thank you very much that is My unbelievable pleasure. that is one of the the i'm not like a huge card guy but i am a history guy and having this is is history and it's going to stay in the studio and i'm going to look at it awesome. oh it has his stat line and everything too Boston yep. Bruins. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you very much. You're I appreciate that. Thank you're you. You're very welcome. Where's, where did he grow up? Yeah, Amherst? Fredericton. Fredericton. He's a, mar- who's, who's he's a maritimer. Uh, Bill Riley's out of Amherst. Yeah. Bill, I knew there was some, a connection in Amherst, yeah. but 
Mr. O'Ree is from Fredericton. Yeah. Where does he live now? He's um, in San Diego, California. Oh, is he? Yeah. Must be a golfer. Yeah, he is. is, a, is I he? think he was a golfer. I think he was, yeah. Oh, I, know, yeah. Uh, I know John Paris Jr. is a golfer. Oh, I yeah. I can't we, remember yeah. if Willie's a golfer or not. John didn't leave the studio. Like, we have a little putting mat over there. So after the podcast, he stuck around for 30 <laughs> minutes and he was putting. We were chatting about golf. <laughs> actually, actually, uh, as I mentioned, John's in the city now. They're going to name the West Hans, uh Community Arena, the rink portion after him and he and i were supposed to golf this week but uh he had to get a cornerstone shot in his wrist so he can't golf yeah he was saying that he has a couple injuries yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. whatever he says he says he hits the ball straight so. yeah that's what he told me uh, as yeah, well. yeah, i was okay. waiting to see that right <laughs> that, that's the thing we got to get up to tax texas and like see if he's telling the truth or not i'm with you on yeah that. <laughs> so tell me about tomorrow what, what's uh, how many people are going up you said the mayor's going as well to tell me a little bit about tomorrow yeah so uh the mayor of uh the west mayor of west hans okay uh, municipality and um all the council are going to be present and it was the council that passed the resolution a number of months ago to uh name the west hans uh community rink in honor of john paris jr uh so john paris's family are going to be in attendance as well as the community is going to come out in full force and support him uh for this incredible honor he's humbled by it and i spoke to him a number of times he's absolutely humbled by it uh he never expected uh, these accolades to be coming his way after so many years. And, and I really have to give credit to Gareth McDonald of Hockey Nova Scotia because it was Gareth um, who approached me a couple of years ago and said, Dean, why haven't we recognized John Paris Jr., right? I have this idea that I'd like to recommend him as for induction into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, do you support it? I said, uh, well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, really, Gareth has done all the legwork, and, and fortunately, I've been there to support him along the way. So uh, all credit to Gareth. Gareth called me to get John on the podcast, and he gave me a rundown of his history. <laughs> and I came home. I was at the gym when he called me. And then I came home, went on my laptop, and researched John Paris Jr. and all the accolades that he accomplished over his years. Yeah. And just... Like, how do I not know of this individual? Just not, uh, unbelievable accomplishments. And it's unbelievable. You're right. And it's interesting. In the final report of the task force, we, we talk in a section of the final report, we talk about how Nova Scotians are very familiar with the histories of Sidney Crosby and Brad Marchand and Nathan McKinnon and um, uh, Jill Saunier and Troy Ryan. But there's a lost history that's uh, often overlooked that is the history of. You know, Bill Riley, the first black Nova Scotian to play in the NHL. Uh, Willie O'Ree finally getting uh, recognition long overdue. Uh, John Paris Jr., Art Dorrington. Uh, the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes, right, that existed between 1895 and 1930. Boasted more than a dozen teams traveled the provinces to, f- to sell out crowds. So uh, in honor of that league, we created a, a, a game every year in February during African Her- Heritage Month to honor that league. Yeah, Tanner Some, plays in that. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's right. Tanner yeah, does yeah. play in that. And um, um, one of the recommendations you'll see in the final report is to find ways to celebrate, honor, and to highlight this lost history, not only of the Colored Hockey League, but of individuals, as I've mentioned. Do you know anything about the, the line of uh, St. Mary's, the all-black line? I think that's one of the cooler things. Back in what year was that? 1970, maybe, do you, 74. Do you know anything about the, the, the individuals on the line? Yeah, well, uh, John Paris Jr.'s brother, Percy Paris, was featured on the line. Uh, a relative of mine, Daryl Maxwell, out of Truro, was no featured way. on the line. Yes, and um, it wasn't Mandy McDarm. Mandy was another um, first I'll have to. No worries. Uh, yeah, I apologize for. No, it's quite I okay. I, I should know, but it, but in the seventies. Yeah. In the seventies. At St. Mary's University. At St. Mary's University. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was absolutely amazing. Bob Dawson. Bob Dawson. The third one, and uh, it was absolutely amazing at the time, and uh, St. Mary's celebrated them uh, a number of years ago uh, for that accomplishment. So. Are they all from the Maritimes? Uh, than- they were at the time, I believe, all from the Maritimes. Obviously, I know Percy Paris out of Windsor, Nova Scotia. Um, Daryl Maxwell out of uh, Truro. And Bob, I believe, was from the Maritimes as well. Is now living in 
Ottawa and is a staunch advocate of hockey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's pretty cool history coming back from the seventies and St. Mary's. Amazing. There's some really cool history, not just even hockey, just history in general from Nova Scotia. Yeah, some cool lot, stuff. It's often overlooked, but there is some amazing history in Nova Scotia if you if you look deep enough. It is. As I get older, well, the pandemic, there was just so much time to kill. Yeah. And you're just on your laptop, and that's kind of where I became a little bit more interested, just in the province where I live, because you have you know. You have the access, why not look it up? And you have time to kill, so do it. Nova Scotia is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's cool. It's yeah. great. Um, the plan from now until going to Nashville. You're busy. What uh, What are you doing in between now and then? Uh, mostly uh, I have a, a quite a caseload at work, so I'll be uh, busy trying to keep my head down and get a lot of that done before I take off for Nashville. I know that um, I also sit on the board of directors of the Black Ice Hockey and Sports Hall of Fame Society, and we're trying to, we partner with Hockey Nova Scotia to put on the Black Youth Ice Hockey Program, so we'll probably be gearing up a bit of that in preparation for the season coming up, and uh, trying to get a visit in with my family down in Cape Breton before I take off, and then... uh, just jumping on a plane on uh, June 24th and heading down. Everyone must be so proud of you from back home. You know what? Cape Breton uh, stepped up in a huge way, and I know, I I think they broke the voting machines at the (laughs) NHL because part of this award was public voting. And I know when the NHL contacted me and told me I was a finalist and I'd go to public voting, the next word I heard from the NHL was that you have an awful lot of support in Nova Scotia. I just want to let you know that, right? (laughs) And uh, I know a lot of that was pushed by Cape Breton and uh, and Nova Scotia generally. My mom went to Riverview High School, so she always tells me stories about the community and the community support and how everyone has everyone's back. Yeah, we. I went there for a tournament a couple months ago, and my mom was like, "You got to stop into my old high school, say hi to the principal." I'm like, "Mom, the principal's <laughs> probably not still there from when you were there." Like, she just she always wants me to connect back to to Cape Breton, but yeah. that's just the way the people are there. It's the just people, they they connect. The people are there, and they're very supportive. And uh, yeah, I was I benefited from that greatly throughout my life, and uh, as well as for this award. Um, you said that you were involved in Shibukto minor hockey. What, what, what do you, you coach there? Yeah, so I, I coach at the U13 level. And uh, last year I coached at the U13 level and the U18 level. And uh, this year I was head coach of the U13 uh, B team my son plays for. Okay. And I was, uh, I was listed as a coach on the U18 team, but only if, if needed in emergency situations. So. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Man, I'm just trying to fill in your time. Like you have, there's just so many things that you're doing. You know, it's just, it, it's interesting when you have a passion for stuff, you sort of don't get tired of it. Yeah. And, um, and that's the way I feel with hockey and, uh, and just trying to make better spaces and more welcoming environments for young kids. I've, I've heard too many horror stories of kids, uh, being subject to, you know, coaches that aren't treating them fairly. You know, even sometimes the parent group isn't, uh, the most positive, uh, experience. So I just try to build more positive experiences for young kids so that they remember hockey as a highlight of their life, right? Yeah. And uh, anyone who's gone through hockey and uh, really feel the value in the game. And um, uh, this past year, our U13B team, uh, I mean, we've had a plus 500 record for the season, but the difference was every kid came out of there laughing, smiling, having a ball, right? Yeah. Having an absolute ball. And uh, seeing their characters develop over the years is the most uh, treasured thing I could ever remember. Is your son old enough to understand why you're getting this award? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think uh, he is. He is over the moon. It's interesting because uh, different characters for different children, right? So my oldest boy, um, it's interesting. My oldest boy has been playing hockey a very long time. Uh, He loves the game. He's a good hockey player. He could care less whether he's playing hockey or, or reading a book, right? But he wins all these championships, right? He won the Eastern Shore Championship there with his team this past year. And my youngest boy, who's fanatical about hockey, loves hockey, just wants to win everything. He can't clinch a title, right? <laughs> can't clinch a title, right? But he, uh, but he, but he stays with it. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he he knows uh, the enormity of the award, and uh, he knows he cherishes Willie O'Ree, and he cherishes all these hockey cards that I bring him. Of, of, of black players that have succeeded. He has Wayne Simmons' card. He has Art Dorrington's card. He has Willie O'Ree's card. 
Um, and he has his hat signed by John Paris Jr. I mean, he knows his place in the game and he knows the history of uh, blacks in the league. And he always comes out and volunteers uh, with our Black Youth Ice Hockey Program. He's volunteered with our BIPOC First Shift Program. He's volunteered. He's the junior referee, so he's volunteered um, at our Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes game just as a, a symbol of young referees coming up. How old, um, how old is he? He's 12. You can ref at 12? Yeah, you can do a junior refing program. You can do U9 and U7 games, which is the half ice games. Oh, the, the Tim Hortons right. boards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So you can do those games. And then um, uh, the next stage is uh, the next clinic will allow you to do U11 and up. No way. Yeah. That's that's young. Yeah, it is young. That's yeah. crazy, though. Yeah. If he likes it, that's that's great. Yeah, we need more referees that's, in the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. But what a great job. Amazing. Like, amazing. It, what a great job coming up. You'd rather be working there than, well, there's a lot of good jobs, but like as for a teenager coming up, a great job and being he, a ref. And he laughs at his older brother. His older brother's working for minimum wage, minimum wage at our community center oh, yeah. uh, in Prospect area. And uh, as a junior referee, he's making $17 an hour. No <laughs> so, way. Yeah, so what's, what's minimum wage? 15 So he's, make, no so he's making more, yeah. So he always, it's an ongoing joke between him and his brother. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's great that's yeah. good stuff it's great um the, mo- the most thing out of all of this that you're you're proud of are you proud of yourself are you proud of the people you surround yourself with are you, what is the most thing that you, you consider an accomplishment uh, the thing that i'm most proud of is the fact that really the world is looking at nova scotia and the world is looking at Nova Scotia for really good reasons. And those reasons are the work that volunteers put into making the game more welcoming uh, for underrepresented communities. That's the reason we're getting this award, right? That we're getting this award because we have our hands in trying to improve this game for so many underrepresented communities. As I mentioned in July, we have the LGBTQ plus community that are going to be highlighted in the city of Halifax uh, for a tournament, right? We have um, uh, the Indigenous Girls Program, which is growing at the hands of uh, Ryan Francis here in the province. We have new Canadians taking up the game every day. Uh, and we have our Black Youth Ice Hockey Program as well that is growing and growing and growing and becoming more popular. Um, it's those things that were being recognized with the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award and we're being recognized across the world, right? And uh, that's what makes me most proud. It's not the personal accolades for me. I mean, I'm used to coming, putting my head down, putting in the volunteer, volunteer hours and being on the ice and keeping kids smiling, right? That's, that's what I do and that's what I love. But uh, this award is truly for those volunteers that make that happen. And uh, that's what I'm most proud of. Do, do you think, I don't want to disrespect any other provinces, but being from Nova Scotia, do you think that helps your cause? It's a great question and it's absolutely... A belief of mine that we are that size, right? We're not too large. Uh, that we can turn on a dime. Uh, we can we can we can turn as quickly as Sidney Crosby and to move in a new direction, right? And I think that that goes a long way in in figuring out you know what works in this province. So uh, we can come up with an idea, and because we're the size we are, we can make that happen across the province pretty quickly. Right. So uh, I think that is a key, key focus. Just in the sense that you don't need approval from 10 guys before something happens. Yeah, precisely. Right. I mean, if if you try to do some of the things we're doing here in Nova Scotia in uh, the GTA, for instance, uh, Toronto, I mean, it could take months before you get an approval to do something. Right. That's that's just my sense. In Nova Scotia, um, the board of directors of Hockey Nova Scotia has given its diversity and inclusion committee, the one I chair, um, um, you know, lots of latitude to do good work, right? And they've been supportive all along the way. So we can, we can, we can introduce concepts. We can introduce new directions. And, and prime example, we introduced uh, last year the Bill Riley Scholarship and the Bill Riley Award to recognize African Nova Scotian kids in the game, trying to bring more kids, you know, into the game. Um, uh, the, the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes, they've supported that annual game as well as Jumpstart Charities have been there for us every step of the way. So those are some of the things we can do um, and get support from the board of directors. And uh, I think that's part of the reason 
for our success. I think with this award too, it's giving you a lot of momentum. Not that you don't have momentum already, but it's going to be really interesting to see what you do in the months of September, August, just moving into the hockey season after getting this award in June. It's It just feels like a lot of momentum is moving in your way. I think momentum is the key term because... Um, uh, I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, striking while the iron's hot. And I think uh, I don't take credit for any of these stories that I tell, but I do uh, take a little credit for the platform that it creates that allows us to do the work we're doing, right? So um, uh, these stories are long overdue. They should have been told a long time ago. Um, and, and this energy should have been put into this a long time ago. But uh, you got to start where you start, right? And uh, for us, uh, to be able to do this and build momentum and uh, to try to attract new people to the game, new communities to the game, it's all we're about. So uh, kudos to everybody involved. That's great. Um, I think one thing we should do before we end the podcast is give a – like where, where can people go to find more information about what you do? Uh, well, you can – first of all, if you want to start, you can uh, go to uh, HockeyNovaScotia.ca and you could have a review of the uh, Hockey Nova Scotia Diversity and Inclusion Task Force report. Through that report, you'll find many of the recommendations uh, that we made to improving the game and making it more welcoming. And after that, you can probably track us um, on the Facebook page and see you know, where we're going um, with some of this work. Um, and yeah, that's probably where you could probably say most updated. Sounds good. We'd love to be able to help out too, in terms of like filming stuff. We love micing people up. We love being involved in like events. We always like finding the funny moments of, uh, of just anything in life, especially f sports. So I don't know if there's anything we could do to shoot us a message and we'd love to be there. I'll make sure to keep you updated for sure. Justin, thanks 100%. for having me. No, that, that was great. Thank you very much for joining. Um, everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Dean, thank you for coming as well. Um, enjoy your summer. Have fun. Make sure to tune in June 26th to the NHL awards or the draft that you'll be there. The awards. The awards. So make sure to tune into the awards. Uh, you may see this guy on TV. We'll see. Yeah. All Appreciate right. it. Now, have a good one. We're yeah. out. Peace. Bye.
What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's So 